0: Pack your bags with high quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365 day returns. Hello and welcome to Dwell, a Circe Institute podcast for homeschool moms by homeschool moms. I'm Emily Hill and joining me are Karen Kern and Renee Mathis. Hey friends. Hey everybody.
1: Hello.
0: So, when I I remember when I was a child, and every Sunday my mom would put a pot roast in the crock pot. So when we arrived home from church, we would have a Sunday dinner of roast and potatoes and carrots and freshly baked rolls, and it was ready for our my hungry siblings and I. And I remember on holidays, my grandmother's breakfast of homemade biscuits and gravy and fresh cinnamon rolls graced our table. And those meals were, they were a formational part of my childhood. And now that I'm a mother myself with holidays and birthdays. And as you very well know, those everyday three square meals a day, I've come to see just how much food matters. But it isn't just the food that makes its way to the table for thousands of years. The process of meal preparation of cooking has played a pivotal and connecting role in families and communities. So today we're just going to chat about this for a while together of why is cooking important not just food or meals but even cooking itself. And if you if we could calculate all the time that we as homeschool moms spent cooking, I would this that's a very large number to just contemplate. But what have we lost in our fast food culture and how can we, as homeschool mamas, nourish our family through the cooking of our food. So this conversation was inspired by the three of us um, chatting and Renee mentioning just how important um, hospitality and cooking and food is in her own family and in her own community and kind of threw out there, hey, what about what if we chat about this for a little bit? So, I would love to hear from you, Renee, of a little bit even why <laughs> why do you think cooking is so important? Um, but maybe before you answer it, one of the things that I would love for you to jump in on is maybe tell us a little bit about um, the Hearth, which is a, a community for homeschool moms that Renee is leading right now. And it's very much tied to these same ideas of um, home and family and connection um, for homeschool moms. So maybe you can just give us a little rundown on that. And then I do need to hear why do you think cooking is such a big deal?
2: Cooking is a big deal. Well, as you can guess, you know we, the fact that we named this new Cersei um, idea of the hearth, which is an old-fashioned word for a fireplace that you usually find in a kitchen, should probably give you a clue that I, I do think that's pretty important. Um, but the hearth kind of sprung out of my work with Cersei apprentices and talking to some homeschool moms who were probably just not ready for that level of commitment that we ask for in the apprenticeship. And Circe um, provides so many wonderful opportunities for education and training and, and growing, but it just seemed like we were missing the boat in one little area, and that's, could we offer, to use a business term, an on-ramp, maybe a way to encourage homeschool moms to meet together where we could have a place to talk about what it means to be a classical Christian homeschooler? Um, uh, could we build a community around learning those ideas together, it would be, Low time commitment, no homework, no books to buy, no nothing to write, <laughs> no. Um, but but just a place where we can gather and share. So um, that's the way we've structured the hearth. Is that one of our webinars in the month will be content focused, where we will talk about what what does it mean to be a classical Christian homeschooler? What are those elements that are crucial? Um, what are the things that we don't want to leave out of our homeschool? And and those those webinars are recorded. Um, we have a very vibrant and growing little canvas community where we can interact with one another on discussion boards and share resources and experiences. Um, and then to that end, the second webinar of the month, uh, which is not recorded, is for the purpose of just building community. And it's a time for us as homeschool moms to just hang out and talk to each other and, and share. And uh, we've had one so far, and it was a lot of fun. We spent a lot of time just getting to know each other. So, Um, That's the premise behind the Hearth. It's a place where new homeschoolers can come in, feel welcome, get their questions answered, learn what it means to be a homeschooler. And then those of us who have been around for a little longer um, are happy to share our experience and encouragement. And and so far, we're off to a good start and there's room for more. So if you have any questions, feel free to contact me via Cersei, Um, send me your questions and we'll be glad to answer them.
0: okay but i i feel like you left off maybe why cooking is such a big deal to you and why you like, I want you to tell me why you like cooking.
2: (laughs) Right. I love cooking. Oh yes. I love cooking. So I think I was eight years old and I got my first cookbook, the Betty Crocker Jr. Boys and Girls Cookbook for Christmas. (laughs) I was like off and running. And if I had had a blog back then, my little eight-year-old self in 1971 would have been, join me as I cook my way through the Betty Crocker Boys and Girls Cookbook. Um, and, And yeah, that was the start of it. And I wish you could see how many cookbooks I have on my shelf right now. It's embarrassing. Um, And then there's a gazillion more on my Kindle. But um, I have just always loved the idea that you can put things together and the the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. And and it's fun to feed people and um, put wonderful things on the table and and enjoy sitting together and being together. And plus, I mean, I came from a family where we ate dinners together together. And even though, I mean, I will say growing up, my mom was a busy working mom. And so there were times as I got older, I got to help contribute and make more meals. But um, my grandmothers both cooked. And so it was fun to visit them and and visit different parts of the country and, and see what kinds of things that they, they ate and cooked. And um, yeah, and I was just always grateful that, that I had a, a place at home where I could experiment and, and play with those kinds of things. So when I was in college, one of my first internships was at a cooking school and and they let me hang out. And um, sometimes all I would do is type recipes the old fashioned way on a typewriter into notebooks for the cooking school students. And um, sometimes I would help chop things and then they would send me home with leftovers. So I was, I think the only girl in the dorm coming home with beef Wellington and a little Tupperware container. (laughs) It was a lot of fun. So, and I have my kids all cook. So I, I guess you say I'm, I'm thankful. Maybe we did something right, that they all know how to cook and they all enjoy it. And then when we get together, we love cooking with each other. So yeah, if you need encouragement for cooking, but whether you love it or not,
0: <laughs> for us homeschool moms, cooking is just a part of our lives. And when your children are Home, they're not at school all day long. It's a big part of your life. There's breakfast, which is followed in my house by someone who's hungry at ten o'clock in the morning, and then there's lunch, who then it's followed by someone who's hungry at three, and then dinner as well. So there's always something going on in the kitchen. And some of us, I'm, I'm going to throw myself under the bus, have not always had a deep love. In fact, I have a reputation. You know how I'm like how I don't love to play games. I also have a reputation for not loving to cook. Also. Um, but I'm working on that. Um, so, and I think there's many of us who, uh, um, even during the um, during the height of the pandemic, I think there was an, a new interest in in cooking. It was like the sourdough bread revolution. I don't know if any of y'all like jumped on to that. I totally did, and it it, it did actually inspire something to me. And I what I found was. Um, getting my hands on real food and real ingredients and knowing where my food came from. And um, it made a big difference in how I felt about cooking. Um, So Karen sent me this quote today via text, and I was going to read it. And then Karen, maybe you can jump in on this and talk to us a little bit about um, maybe a little bit about our fast food culture and the way we view cooking. Um, This quote says... There's an infection that has crept into kitchens that cooking is a chore, that we have to get something on the table in 30 minutes, or why even bother? So, Karen, can you chat about that for a little bit of maybe slowing down and cooking maybe not being a chore, even though it does feel that way? And maybe how can we switch our thinking on that a little bit to view cooking as um, a part of the formation of our families?
1: Um, I think, I think it's really important to think about why are we cooking? Because, um, can you imagine if our kitchens were places where food was just in the cupboards or wherever they were? And when your child was hungry or your husband was hungry, they would walk in and feed themselves something and stand at the countertop and eat it. Um, maybe a bowl of cereal, maybe, um, some crackers, maybe drink milk out of the carton at the fridge and they would fill their stomachs and then they would leave. And that's how all the food got eaten in your houses. if we were animals going over to the feed trough and, and we all know that that's that that would create chaos, but it would, you know, you also have to realize that it would not only create culinary chaos and uh, the things they were eating, we wouldn't know what was being eaten, Um, but you would lose all of the community and the beauty um, and the thoughtfulness that goes into creating meals. And um, I love to go to Chick-fil-A. I love when I'm out with my granddaughters and say, oh, you know, we don't, I don't have a lunch plan. Let's go to Chick-fil-A. But how much better is it to, A, have a plan, which involves grocery shopping and preparing and making sure you have ingredients and knowing what you're going to cook and then cooking together and setting a nice table. And in that way, you're not only feeding your children's stomachs Mm -hmm. um, but you're feeding their souls because you're in community together. You're intentional. You're creating something that they want to be with you to enjoy. And um, I remember when my kids were little I would make bread. I had a Mennonite cookbook and I would make bread, um, wheat bread several times a week. And I would make cookies frequently so that when they came home from co-op or the boys came home from football, there'd be fresh cookies. And I remember doing those things because I like to do them because I was home anyway all day. And it was kind of a diversion um, for me to busy in the kitchen doing something, creating something, you know, because there was always mess all around. So I, you, can, you can clean, but then that's like cleaning, you know, shoveling in a snowstorm. So, but if I was cooking, I was actually producing something and, you know, that we could enjoy. And, and now when my kids talk about those years, they will talk about and remember when they would come home to cookies or when I would make that bread all the time. And then our lives changed. I got busy and I was teaching and, and, you know, each, each period of our life is a different season and now it's a very different season. Um, but I think it's so, it's just so important to to be willing to take the time to, um, to get out your ingredients and to enjoy creating something that's beautiful. And the rest of those quotes that I send you, Emily, they end with this. It says, um, slowing down is the medicine part of your healing comes from your eating, but it also comes from your practices. And one of those practices is chopping your vegetables. And so you know, we can, we can find beauty and peace and um, coming down off of a really busy day. If we're just standing there taking the time to chop something or to sear a meat or to do a, a sourdough mix or, you know, our starter and, um, um I guess it's really just taking the time and being willing to to put the time into it because it really is easier to um to do quick things that are processed but we all know that that's that's not the best for ourselves or for our kids.
0: Well and that idea of taking time I am if you if you would ask my family they would tell you I am an, like, an efficient let's get it done. Like I just like get things done. Karen, you know that about me. Um I always have so many things going on. And I think that's one of the reasons why I've never enjoyed cooking because it takes so much time. And once upon a time, it felt like a waste to me. I could be doing so many other things. And through a long, a years long practice over the last few years, um, a, a shift has happened there in that I have seen, I don't it's almost a, the opposite and I don't have time not to do it. Food is our, it is our life source. And and you think even um, when you contemplate um, communion or the Eucharist, the body and blood of Christ, right? This is something that we partake in, just the, the beauty of that. Um, and when you consider what we have been given with food and how how powerful that is, and how deeply meaningful food is. It's not meant to just, um, as you said, Karen, just grab some milk out of the fridge and chug it down. It's not utilitarian, but the beauty of it is, it keeps us alive physically. But it, it, when done well, it does nourish our soul and not just our children's. And this is the shift that is beginning to happen in me, but my own as well. Um. When I do take the time in an afternoon to pull out that recipe and make it, something's happening in me, and I'm connecting with um nourishing my children, yes, but also my own my own self um Renee, I would love to hear from you um you'd you'd mentioned a couple a couple things of how um food is. Connected to people in place specifically, and cooking is connected to people in place. Um, can you like tell us like what do you mean by that? How does cooking? How is it? How is cooking connected to people and then also to place?
2: Okay. Um, before I do, I'm going to jump on something you just said though, and, and comment on that. If I can. Uh, and that is the idea that as moms, um, cooking takes time, and we're busy, and. And I I know that can be a real struggle sometimes. So I just wanted to share just to get practical for a second. I do like the whole practical part and um, something that worked for me when I was at home with lots of kids. And it's something that works for my daughter because we were talking about it just the other day. And so I just want to offer this up. if This is something that might help some of our listeners out there, that. Just the idea that you can you can come up with a very simplified schedule, kind of a routine or a form, and then you can plug things into that. And just just that routine can give you some hooks to hang things on and and just make life a little easier in the kitchen because I think one of the ways we nurture our families is, you know, they're there at dinner and they're like, "What's the plan? What are we going to eat?" And as the managers of our homes, if we don't have an idea, <laughs> sometimes then things start to fall apart. <laughs> so, um, so this is Katie's plan. So it doesn't your your plan doesn't have to look like this, but um, it works for them. And I think the, the principles are there, which is Monday is their errand day. So Monday night is pasta for dinner. Because it's really easy to come home, put on a pot of boiling water, and come up with some kind of simple sauce to go on the the noodles. Um, Tuesday is Taco Tuesday. We all know Taco Tuesday. There's a gazillion kinds of taco recipes out there. Um, But if you don't like tacos, just about every culture and their cuisine has some form of meat wrapped in bread. So you can substitute that. Um, Wednesday's Crock-Pot Night, because they go to church and they need something that they can cooking the crock pot all day while they're doing school and then eat and then be off, be off to church. Um, Thursday is cook's choice. So um, maybe it's Katie cooking something she's been wanting to try and it's kind of her, her fun night to experiment or maybe one of the kids are learning how to cook and maybe they get a, a chance in the kitchen. And then Friday night is always pizza and movie night. Saturday night might be fancy dinner night or something fun that again, Cook's choice again for that one. And then Sundays are leftovers So because everybody's resting and we're tired from the week. So anyway, just, just coming up with some kind of a simple schedule like that to plug things into can sometimes give you a little bit of a boost if you're struggling with. I'm tired of cooking the same old things, or I need some, something a little new, a little boost. There you go. Um, but, but people and place, just the idea that what, who are the people that you're cooking for, what is your season of life, and, and who are the people that taught you how to cook or that cooked for you when you were younger? What's, what's your family history and heritage that, that play into the things you like to cook, um, as well as where you live and what's available? right? Maybe you have great farmer's markets. Maybe you don't. Maybe you have a I mean, glorious backyard garden that you can draw from. Um, maybe your choice of grocery stores is pretty pitiful and the ingredients on the shelf is just not, not really great. Um, so, all of those are things that are going to affect the kinds of things that you like to cook and that your family likes to eat. So, I would encourage you to just, just start small and work within your limits. And, you know, you can always expand later. You can always... Find bigger cookbooks and bigger grocery stores with bigger lists of ingredients, but um, people generally like what they grew up with and what they're comfortable with. And that's okay to start there. You mentioned your grandmother's biscuits. Um, What a treat that would be for your own daughters to learn how to make their great-grandmother's biscuits, right? Or for your mom to maybe share how she made her rolls or, you know, give you her crockpot roast recipe, My mom put a cookbook together a few years ago, um, and she'd be the first to tell you she's not a gourmet cook by any means, but she made a little self-published cookbook with pictures in it. My dad helped her put it together, and she put stories with each recipe. You know, This was the snack that grandmother made for me when I came home from school when I was in first grade, and it was a chocolate cake recipe. Or, Or when we were first married and living here, this is the thing that I always used to make for dinner, and she would have that recipe. And she gave it to all her kids and grandkids and it's a treasure. So just because something is not fancy doesn't mean it's not valuable or or it won't be meaningful to the people that that grew up eating it and want to learn how to cook it for their own families.
0: So I picked up a, a book last year, and maybe this was motivational in this, my new, I won't say I have a newly inspired love of cooking, but I do have a newly inspired appreciation for it that perhaps will grow into a love. So I see, I see why it matters. There was a book called, um, maybe you, y'all have read it, um, Animal Vegetable Miracle. And it's the story of a woman who um, moves back east and lives on a small farm and decides to have an experiment for a year that they will only buy food from, I think it's like a 10 mile radius, something of their home, and they will eat seasonally. So they will only eat seasonally. Um, And it was just this experiment for them to be more aware of where their food comes from. And that not everyone at all times can just go to a grocery store and get fresh mangoes. Um, And so they practice, you know, if they would not eat mangoes because they're never in season in North Carolina or Tennessee, wherever they were um, in that radius. So that kind of sparked that in me. And when we talk about place of the importance of not only for ourselves but for our children to connect with real physical places. Um, And one way that they do it, and this is such a grounding thing, is by knowing where your food comes from, whether that is your vegetables or your meat. Um, We've got a local small, like a small farmer's market um, that's run all summer. And we'll go down the road to the farmer's market and collection is not great. And we live in Colorado, not as many things grow here, but it's been amazing for me to watch my children kind of awakening to things that grow in certain places and not in other places. Um, So just really connecting to place through the food you eat. And I think Karen, you'd kind of mentioned that before of taking even grandkids to the farmer's market. Um, how, how do you feel Are you connected with people in place through cooking, whether it's with your own kids or your grandkids?
1: Well, certainly by cooking with them and, or, you know, going strawberry picking with them or apple picking, we went this, this morning, um, uh, applesauce and we got out our, our apple peeler, core slicer, and of course, I I can do this really fast. I get I can get the apple on there, and I can spin that thing. We've got eight apples cut really fast. But of course, you know when you have a four year old and a two year old next to you, they want to have a turn. And so, we were making you know doing all these apples, and there was long long ribbon, ribbon of the peel that they then were. Pre- was somehow some kind of fairy hair, and they had all the little bits of apple, all in their hair, and you know these these fun these fun things can be if you know if you if you're not careful they can kind of be annoying and so you're you're kind of trying to do this while they're not looking to get the job done fast but then you miss all of that relationship that gets built around food and yesterday I was making a salad for dinner and as soon as Serafina saw me get the cucumber out she said oh we're making a salad and she brought the chair over to the counter and I let her cut the cucumbers while I was working with the meat and I turned around and all the cucumbers were cut but half of them had bite marks out of them and you know and it was just one of those funny moments um that i will remember that i hope that they do too but that's also where children get a love of cooking is when they see when they feel when they know in their soul that this is something that fosters community and then they love it without even really knowing why they love it it's fun to cut and it's fun to start and it's fun to have your hands in flour but you know what is it about it that's going to want them to do that when they grow up and uh, my boys, in particular, all love to cook, and they're they're very good cooks. And they love they can make a a meal look beautiful. And sometimes when they're over, they'll go, "Mom, let me do that," because they know that I'm more efficient and I'm going to get it done faster. But um, they are going to take all the extra. They're going to do all the extra things and maybe spend extra as well in the grocery budget to make it look and taste. Really- really really good so i'm happy to give that over to them but um that that community is priceless and uh we always made pizza on saturday nights growing up so um recently we had everybody over and everybody was home and they made pizzas only this time of course they were doing all the work and i was enjoying just enjoying watching and i took pictures of them cooking and they're like mom what are you doing? But I just wanted to capture that moment of here they are, they're carrying on something that we started 30 plus years ago and it's still happening. And it's, it's not me making this happen. They are wanting to make this happen. And I can't tell you how much joy that brings me.
0: But The moral of the story is teach your children to cook and you'll work yourself out of a job. Is that that what I'm hearing? Is that going to (laughs)
1: happen? That's yes, of course I it know. also depends on their moods and how many of them are because there's plenty of times where I do the cooking and then they do. Which the is cooking, all part of community too.
0: Cleaning is <laughs> I'm I'm am I'm a cleaner. I love cleaning. So that's more my I was like, just let me clean. There is um I'm just yeah. gonna wrap us up real quick with a uh, a longish quote from the book, um, which if you have not read, it's really lovely. Um, the Supper of the Lamb, A Culinary Reflection. And if you want, if you want inspiration to love cooking, um, it is a fun read, so you would enjoy it. And this is just in the, the preface, and I'll just finish us up with this. Um, this is by the author, um, Robert Farrar Capone. And he says, which brings me to the major reason. reason. I think this improbable combination has proved successful. And he's referencing the combination of cooking and theology. There is a habit that plagues many so-called spiritual minds. They imagine that matter and spirit are somehow at odds with each other and that the right course for human life is to escape from the world of matter into some finer and purer and undoubtedly duller realm. To me, that is a crashing mistake, and it is, above all, a theological mistake because, in fact, it was God who invented dirt, onions, and turnip greens. God who invented human beings with their strange compulsion to cook their food. God who, at the end of each day of creation, pronounced a resounding good over his own concoctions. And it is God's unrelenting love of all the stuff of this world that keeps it in being at every moment. So if we are fascinated, even intoxicated by matter, it is no surprise that, We are made in the image of the ultimate materialist. Food and cooking, therefore, are not low subjects. In fact, there are no low subjects anywhere in the physical universe. Every real thing is a joy. If only you have eyes and ears to relish it, a nose and a tongue to taste it. But more than that, food and cooking are among the richest subjects in the world. Every day of our lives, they preoccupy, delight, and refresh us. Food is not just some fuel we need to get us going toward higher things. Cooking is not a drudgery we put up with in order to get the fuel delivered. Rather, each is a heart's astonishment. Both stop us dead in our tracks with wonder. Even more, they sit us down evening after evening. And in the company that forms around our dinner tables, they actually create our humanity. So, this week, when you are in the kitchen for many an hour, just remember. That time spent booking is time well spent. And here's to home. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.